My message is only an hour and a half, so uh, get ready. No, um, I, we're in a series called Jesus at the Center, um, and that's exactly what we're just trying to do as a church, is just put him at the center of what we're doing. And so um, thank you for um, just trying something new and um, doing things a little bit differently. We, we appreciate it. Um, I'm going to jump in. I, I, this message, as I was studying for it, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I began to realize there is no way in 20 minutes that I was going to be able to communicate it. I'm gonna do my best, and here's my heart and my hope, is that you will be challenged with this, and you'll go home, and you'll start to study uh, some of these things out. We're, like I said, talking about Jesus at the center, and the foundational scripture that really has hit me for my, at least the beginning of, of what I've been teaching, is 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31. And it says this, it is because of him that you are in Christ, Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so we talked about righteousness a couple weeks ago, and if you uh, didn't get to hear that, I want to encourage you to go online to our YouTube channel, look up Shine Church CEO for Colorado, and you can grab a hold of that. That felt like it was a really, really good, timely word for us in this season. Um, What I want to tackle and jump into tonight is holiness. Um, And holiness uh, as I said, as I started to do the study on this, it just it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And what I began to realize is that holiness is something that is very important, and we need to really grab a hold and have an understanding of this. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I really truly grabbed a hold of the fullness and still have yet to grab the fullness of what God wants us to receive in regards to holiness. So real quick, going to ask a question, what is holiness? See, you guys were in the same place I was before I started this study. What is holiness? What is it? Set apart, okay? I, I knew somebody would say that because I think that's what's been taught in church a lot. What is it? Set apart? Something, anybody else? This describes the character of God. He is holy, yes? Definitely set apart. He's very holy, yep, I love that. Anybody else? Other, different, better. Okay, I love that. I like that. Anybody else? Purity, Purity, holiness. Okay, like that. Without sin. Without sin. Okay. If this is one of the things that Jesus is for us, we probably should have a really good understanding of what it is. Yes? Um, and as a matter of fact, I just want you to know that holiness can be interchanged with sanctified or sanctification. As a matter of fact, in some translations, it says that God is our righteousness, our sanctification, and redemption. And it comes, uh, the Greek word actually means sanctification, and then it says this, the process of making or becoming holy set apart and consecrated. So it is a process, and in this particular verse, um, I know last time I taught, we talked a little bit about noun and verbs. Uh, Do you guys think this is a noun or a verb? It's a noun. It's a gift. 
It's a gift that God has given to us. And here's what the beautiful part about this is, uh, as I was praying about it and thinking about this. This gift that God has given to us in regards to sanctification or holiness is the process of us becoming holy. The gift that God has given us isn't that we are just done. The gift is that we're in process. And for me, that was very encouraging because it helped me to realize that, yes, I'm set apart because of what Jesus did, but I'm a work in progress. Anybody else? I think we all are. None of us have arrived there. And man, doesn't that make great sense? At least it did to me that God wouldn't just go, okay, once you ask Jesus in your heart, boom, you're perfect and you never have to work on anything. I think life would get kind of dull. He goes, hey, you know what? Here's the gift I'm giving you. I'm giving you the process of you becoming holy. I thought that was really interesting. In the Bible, this idea of holy, sanctified, um, and if you look it up in the verb, adjective, noun form, it's used 1,030 times. This is something that we're going to do today. We're reading all verses. Never get through it. I'm going to have a hard time getting through 1%. Um, so here's the two things that I wanted to share with you today. Um, two thoughts regarding holiness. Number one, church, we are set apart. We are set apart. I want you to grab a hold of that. I want you to embrace that. I want you to realize that Jesus died so that you could be set apart, so that you could be different from other people in this world that don't know Jesus. In John, Jesus himself says this in chapter 17. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Okay, who's them? Let me try again. Who's them? It's us. It's us. Okay? He says, for them, for them, I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. Okay, so what, what is he saying there? He's saying, I have come down. You know the, the section of scripture that said, even though he was king of kings, he served us, become humble like a servant, dying on the cross that we could have life and life abundant. Okay, he became set apart. He became that sacrificial lamb so that we could be set apart in the eyes of God. And I hope that you will never forget this, but remember this. God does not look at each one of us, any one of us, through what we have done or what, we're, what we didn't do, what we're going to do. He solely looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ because Jesus became set apart so that he could see us through the cleansing work of what he did on that cross. Amen? And so we've been set apart by what he has done. Colossians 2 says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed, not performed by human hands. Okay, stop real, real quick there. In order for the Israelites to understand that they were set apart before Jesus came, what did they have to do in order to know that they were set apart, especially the men? Do you know? 
circumcision. They had to be circumcised. Why? Because they were set apart. God wanted them to understand you are set apart. You are a different people. And so he had actually a physical act of circumcision and there was all kinds of other things that would set them apart. And the only way that they could hear from God was that the holy priest, the high priest, would go to the Holy of Holies and he would actually hear from God and then bring the word to the people that were circumcised that had been set apart. And this is how the people knew they were set apart. And so when you understand that and you hear this scripture, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So when Christ died and rose again, what he accomplished was a circumcision of the heart, which meant this. No longer do we have to do anything in an act or a physical way. He did it so that we could be set apart. Anybody that called upon the name of Jesus Christ becomes circumcised in the heart, meaning set apart for God. Holy, sanctified. You are holy and sanctified because of what Jesus did. You were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. Amen? He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. We are set apart. It's a process that we go through. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit, which speaks to me this, this is a process that God wants us to understand that we are set apart, not based on anything that we do, but solely based on what Jesus Christ did, and it is a work in progress. Okay, again, hope this is very encouraging for you, because if you are like, well, I just haven't got there yet, good. That means you're holy in his eyes, because it's a process if we keep Jesus at the center. Yes? Okay, second thing. We are set apart, but then I want to put this Spin to it. We are too set apart. We are too set apart. And what I mean by that is there's a responsibility that we have to hear from God and make certain things holy in our lives individually. I'm going to try to do this really quick. Leviticus. Let me give you a picture real quick. Leviticus. Um, how many of you, Leviticus is your favorite book of the Bible? to go to sleep to. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, let me just read some of the headers before I get to chapter 10 where I'm going to focus real quick. Um, Moses is just hearing from God about the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the fellowship offering, eating food, eating fat and blood forbidden, the priest's portion, the ordination of Aaron and his sons. The priests begin their ministry. Okay, so this is kind of, we're, we're starting to understand that God is, is, has set apart a group of people, and now he's giving them instruction. And at the very end of chapter 9, they put it all together, and it says in verse 23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tents of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy 
and fell face down. Ah! This is the way I kind of pictured that. But it must have been incredible. I mean, can you imagine that? Fire came out of the presence of the Lord. Now, the very next verse says that Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So the fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died. So get this picture. They do all these great things. The fire of God comes, and the people are in awe, and they're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. We better fall down and worship. I mean, this was incredible. But then, could you see Aaron's sons going, oh my gosh, that was so awesome. I want to see it again. And I read a commentary. Who knows what reason, if it was because they wanted to see it again, or because they thought they could bring the fire of God, or whatever. But they went in, and they did something outside of God's will, and the second they did that, they, they went into basically the holy place, and God killed them. Doesn't seem very fair, does it? It actually reminds me of a couple different stories. How about the one where they're trying to bring the ark back into Jerusalem, and it stumbles, and uh, mine, help me out, what's the guy's name? Uzzah, Uzzah touches it and dies instantly. Why? Because God had told them there was a certain way to carry that, and they were not doing that certain way, and when he touched it, the holiness killed him. How about in the Dune Testament, when um, they were selling everything and bringing all the, mon- all the funds to the church, and we have Ananias' fire, they, they come in, and they present their offerings, but they kept some back, but they told everybody, hey, we're giving the whole offering as a holy offering to the Lord. What happened to the two of them? They died. Anybody else read those stories and be like, God, that doesn't seem right. I would submit to you that um, our Heavenly Father is holy, as David said, and that there is something very powerful to understand when we comprehend and get this understanding of we are to set apart. There are certain things in our life that God wants us to set apart and make them holy. Now, in Leviticus chapter 10, I pick it up in verse 10. After this happens, Moses starts to instruct from the Lord what the priests are supposed to do, and this is what he says. They are supposed to um, do different things, and then it continues and says, so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. So one of the priest's duties was to help the people who were set apart to understand what was holy, what was common, what was clean, and what was unclean. Now I'm gonna fast forward. Jerusalem, Israel, they have fallen apart. They're no longer even one nation. They're in two different places, and even in that, they're dissembled. People are starting to overtake them and conquer them, and Ezekiel, in that time, starts to speak different prophetic words, and in chapter 22, verse 26, he says this, her priests, her being Israel, her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean, and they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. Read a commentary about this from the Enduring Word commentary, and it says this. This was one of the most important jobs of the priests of Israel. They were to help the people understand how the law of God applied to their daily lives by declaring the things and conduct and conduct as holy or as unholy, as clean or unclean. But they did not know the difference themselves, and so they could not instruct the people they were intended to serve. 
So at some point in this process, the priests had lost the teaching that God had given to him, the important teaching of, hey, you are to tell the people what is holy and what is common. And you're supposed to help them to understand what is clean and what is unclean. Now, a little bit later, Ezekiel is talking about Israel being restored, and this is what he says in chapter 44, 23. They are to teach, they, the priests, they are to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between unclean and clean. And so in the Old Testament, the, the job of the priest was to not only hear from God, but he was supposed to tell the people what was the difference was holy and common. Now, let me give you a picture of this. Uh, we call marriage holy matrimony, yes? What we're saying is that this relationship that I'm entering into is different than every other relationship I have in the world. We're setting it apart. That would be one of the things that would be taught. Finances. Over and over in the Old Testament, it said that you are to take a tenth of whatever you bring in and you make it the first and you make it holy and you give it to the Lord. You don't even pretend like it's yours and you make that holy. And when people would do that, the blessing of the Lord would come and I believe that still holds today. Then when we take a first portion of our income, what God has given us the ability to make, and we make it holy, then what happens is God can come then and bless the nine. What would you rather have, a blessing on 90% or the whole 100%? Blessing on 90, that's my, my thought. Just using a couple examples. This is what the priests were to do. Now I'm going to transition. According to 1 Peter 1, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had. Oh, sorry, 1 Peter 2. I got ahead of myself. According to 1 Peter 2, it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's one of our foundational pillars of our church, is our identity. Now, in that portion of scripture, that speaks to our identity, one of the things that is said is that you and I become priests. Yes? Man, sorry, I had to say all this so that I could build it to this point. Church, I believe that because of what Jesus did for us, we now have direct access to, the heaven, to our Heavenly Father, and He has called us priests. No longer do you have to go to the high priest and hear what he heard from the Holy of Holies about what is holy and common. Now you and I can receive from the Holy Spirit what is holy and what is common in our lives. Do you get that? Okay. I believe the scripture backs this up. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, as obedient Children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. 2 Corinthians 7, therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for Christ. Now, I believe what is being said here is church Understand that because of what Jesus has done, you now have direct access to the Father. You are a priest in him. And because of that, he wants to speak to you the things that you need to start making holy and the things that you need to get away that you're 
maybe doing mixing the holy with the common. Does that make sense? It's not about what you do. I want you to get this. I don't, I'm not preaching that you have to start doing all these things in order to get holiness. I want you to remember that this is a gift of God of a process. And here's the beautiful thing. This process, he has promised to speak to each one of us. Okay, so how do we do this? 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, this is the amplified version, and I'm only going to read the first half and then I'll read the second half later. 1 Peter 3. But in your hearts, set Christ apart. It actually is that word holy or sanctified. Make Jesus holy in your life, in your heart. Sanctify him in your heart. In amplified, it says this, as holy acknowledging him, giving him first place in your life as Lord. But in your heart, set Christ apart as Lord. Jesus be the center. Church, we've got to make sure that we put Jesus at the center of everything that we do. Before we speak, we should touch base with dad. Before we do something, we should check in with the Holy Spirit and say, hey, am I in right? Am I in right place? Jesus said in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Church, do you hear the words of Jesus right there? It's better that I go so you receive this Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit will listen to what I'm saying because the Father's gonna talk to me, I'm gonna talk to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's gonna tell you what's going on. Huh? That's awesome. It's awesome. We all have this access. We have this for us, each one of us. This is why Jesus died. Second Timothy, Paul is encouraging Timothy before he goes off into his own ministry. In chapter one, he says, what you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So get a picture here. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, take the word of God and everything that I've taught you about the word of God and you put that in you and you guard it. You guard this as a huge deposit. Church, you need to take this word and you need to get it in you. If you're wondering what to do in these times, in these crazy times that we're living in, well, the first thing I want you to do is just start pounding this into your heart and into your mind. Because you're going to have a really hard time hearing the heart of God if you don't know the word that he's given to us to lead us and instruct us in the things that he has. Yes? We've got to get into this word. But it says here, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I would submit to you, church, and I want you to understand, I, I hope you hear the balance in this. I think the word of God is absolutely essence to our walk and to know the heart of God, but I would submit to you that God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could also partner with what he's speaking to us and put the two together and be lights into the world. To shine in a crazy time. To respond with such a unique flavor and a unique seasoning that the people would go, well that's not what everybody else is doing, but this is, this is different. 
There's a light about you, and I want to know about it. And I think sometimes in church, we have taught the Bible so much that we have missed out on who helps us to hear it. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to each one of us. If what Jesus prayed to the Father is true, then we have to understand that God wants to communicate to each one of us, and he wants us to understand that what he's going to communicate to us is the things in our life that we need to make holy. Okay, so what does this look like? What does this look like? I'm going to pick on something that I think was kind of a hot topic probably 15, 20 or more years ago, drinking. In church, drinking was a big taboo thing. You didn't drink. If you were a part of leadership, when I first got into ministry, oh man, you did not drink. That, it just, you didn't. You didn't drink. Now, what's interesting is in the word of God, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say don't drink. It does say to the priests before you go in, you better don't drink wine before you go in to minister. That's probably a good thing. I shouldn't be like taking a couple shots before I get, okay, guys, let's go. All right, are you ready? I, yeah, I can see that. But it never, it never said anything about don't drink. And yet the church started to teach this idea of don't drink. Okay, so where does this come from? Well, it comes from, in my opinion, a man, a preacher, a pastor, that heard from God that he shouldn't drink. And what he did is he took what God told him and he told everybody else that's how you have to live. And of course, we want to respect our pastors and the ones that are above us in authority. And so we hear that. And so we go, okay, so what they say must actually be. And the unfortunate thing, I grew up Catholic and this happened all the time in the Catholic Church. We were, we were told what to believe. We were never encouraged to actually seek it out, to actually get into the word to actually spend time praying with the Lord and saying, Holy Spirit, speak to us and give us direction. We were told that you have to hear from the priest. And then you just do whatever he tells you to do. That's, that's how I was raised. Church, could it be that God could call something in my life holy that in your life can be absolutely common? I know nowadays they, the Holy Spirit will speak to people and tell them don't drink. And it's because if they do, they could go on a bender and just totally lose it. Whereas somebody else can drink in moderation, which is what the Bible actually says about that, and be totally okay. Are you guys with me? Could God want us to understand this idea of holiness to set apart? We are set apart, and he wants us to set apart. Is there certain things in your life that God is pinpointing and saying, Mark, set this apart. Scott, set this apart. Mark, set this apart. Justin, set this apart. I believe with all of my heart that he will speak to each and every one of us different things in regards to what it is that we're supposed to set apart. And the problem is, when we take what God has told us and then we project it and tell other people they've got to do it. They've got to do it. Now, I'll finish with this. The great balance. 1 Peter 3.15, the second half of that verse says this. In the Amplified, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance elicited by faith. Faith comes by 
the confidence of what you've heard that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. How much gentleness and respect do we have going on in the world today? Even in the church. I want you to grab a hold of this. Even in the church, there is this idea that what God has told me needs to be projected to other people. And I just want to submit to you, hey, if we believe that each one of us has direct access to the Father, then could it be that God wants us to go, hey, you know what, I'm going to take what I hear from the Lord, and I want to take it and pair it up with what you've heard from the Lord, and maybe it's polarizing opposite of views, but maybe we could use that to actually come up to something that's better than what either one of us could get alone. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's hard for me to read, so I'm gonna change it a little bit. Pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness. If you don't have these, you will not see the Lord. I read that, and I told DJ, I was like, oh my gosh, this is blowing my mind. Pursue. Pursue is to aggressively chase. Aggressively chase. Pursue peace. Help me out. What's peace? We're almost done, I promise. What's peace? The, the opposite of division. Okay, that's good. Lack of conflict. Calm. Rest, rest. Look it up. Go to Bible Hub. Look this verse up. Look up the word peace. Here's what it means. It means wholeness by taking all the parts and putting them together. Church, it's taking all the parts and putting them together, and out of that comes a wholeness. It reminded me of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love others as you love yourself. See if you don't hear what I'm saying through those verses right there. That word mind, I'm just going to remind you, if you look it up, it means to think logically, understanding the other side of a subject, and come to a balanced position. Look it up. That's how we love the Lord with all of our mind. Oh, church, I hope you are getting this. And I feel like I'm rushing super fast through this. But if we are aggressively chasing after a wholeness, we have to pull each other into this. We cannot do this by ourselves. And we have to understand that each one of us is going to have a different idea and different thought that makes up the betterment of the whole. Now, there are certain things in the Word that are crystal clear. You don't murder. You don't steal. It, it's just wherever I put it. It's, it's just written in there. It's very crystal clear. But then there are several things that we're facing in the world today that for one, someone might get this conviction from the Lord and use certain scriptures and, and go at it with all their heart. Whereas for somebody else, God might tell them, hey, just wait right now. Or no, I don't want you to do that. Can we get along? Can we put that together? Can we pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness 
without which no one will see the Lord. DJ, help me out. You looked up the word see. What did that, can you, you remember what that meant exactly? So in order to recognize, discern, and actually see the Lord's working, could it be, church, that we need each other in our differing opinions and instead of projecting those onto other people, actually come together and let's, let's start, a, let's work these things out. Let's actually humble, humbly go before each other. Let's consider others more highly than we ought and let's actually go, okay, let me try to understand your place. Let me try to understand to the fullest because here's what I'm seeing in this world today. We have a pendulum over here and we have a pendulum over here and there are people over here and people over here and I have a really hard time going that Jesus is at either spot. I don't think Jesus is over here with these people going, oh yeah, those people are absolutely wrong. But I don't think he's over here going, oh yeah, those people are absolutely wrong. I find myself thinking that Jesus is somewhere in the middle. I believe John actually, we, we opened the series with this. He said that Jesus came to bring grace and truth. He has some way to actually put an incredible balance to these things that we deal with and we talk about church could we be a people that actually embrace this and say holy spirit speak to me and i will make holy what you tell me to make holy and then i will try to understand with others what you are speaking to them because you speak to your people now in a perfect world <laughs> Everybody would be 100% hearing from God, and then we could have those conversations. The problem is a little bit of doubt creeps in, huh? Oh, I don't know if they're hearing from God, or I don't. I, and man, that's where it gets really tricky. But here's what I know. All I can do is deal with me. All I can do is deal with my understanding, and all I can do is go to God and ask him, speak to me, and then help me be humble to understand someone else. And God, help me to do this as a continual work because sanctification or holiness is not a done deal. It's a work in progress. Thank you, Jesus, for creating a work in progress. Now, here's what's really cool about the teaching team is that when we talk about these things, every once in a while, somebody will get a devotion or something that actually reminds them of kind of what is going to come up. And this weekend, I actually got a text from Janelle and a text from DJ about different things that came to mind. I want you to read, and I'll close with this. Nikki Gumbel, who created the Alpha Course, which is kind of a foundational uh, structure for new believers, he actually um, has a, a, a devotional in Bible, the Bible app, Bible.com Bible or your version app, and it's the Bible in one year for 2021. Day 51, somebody's really behind. DJ. It's, it's it, oh, the Hebrew New Year. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. You're ahead of schedule then. Uh, that, that's good. But day 51, this is what it, what it reads as the devotion. In 1949, one of the greatest revivals in the history of the United Kingdom took place. Duncan Campbell, the preacher at the center of the revival, later described how it begun. Seven men and two women had decided to pray earnestly for revival. Seven men and two women. Tuesday night we pray, and it's been like seven men and two, it hasn't even been that many. 
you're more than welcome to come, but we are praying for, for revival. One night at a prayer meeting held in a barn, a young man took his Bible and read from Psalms 24. Here's what it says. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. He shut his Bible and he said, it seems to me just so much sentimental humbug to be praying as we are praying, to be waiting as we are waiting if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. He asked God to reveal if his own hands were clean and his own heart was pure. That night, God met with them in a powerful way. As they waited on God, his awesome presence swept the barn. They came to understand that revival is always related to holiness. They came to understand that revival is always related to holiness. When a group of people start to hear from God what to be made holy, that's when God can start to move, church. A power was let loose that shook the parish from center to circumference. Three men were laying on the straw, having fallen under the power of God. They were lifted out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. They knew that God had visited them, and neither they nor their parish could ever be the same again. Four miles away, two sisters aged 82 and 84 had a vision of God. They saw the churches crowded and the youth and the community flocking into the churches. They had a glorious assurance that God was coming in revival power. Duncan Campbell was invited to come and speak to them. When he arrived in the parish church, it was packed out with hundreds waiting outside. No one could explain where they had come from. Within 10 minutes of the service starting, men and women were crying out to God. They were meeting with God in all his holiness. There was such a sense of the presence of God on the island that a businessman visiting said, the moment I stepped ashore, I was suddenly conscious of the presence of God. God was meeting with his people. Just amazing. Church, could it be that one of the reasons that we haven't seen God truly move in a powerfully, powerfully way, or powerful, powerful way, is because we as individuals have stopped going to God and saying what is holy. I actually heard it taught this way, that God has actually turned off the power because we're like a bunch of kids with paper clips in the power socket and taking common things and trying to plug them in like Ananias and Sapphira. And if God actually turned the power on, we'd be dead. Church, could it be that God is waiting for a group of people to say, I want to know what is holy, Lord, and I will take the things you speak to me and I will set them apart and I will make them holy unto you. And if God saw enough people in his church do that, that he could go, oh my gosh, I can actually turn the power on in this place. Dude, how cool would that be? How cool would that be? So God, give us a heart, give us a desire. God, we want to come to you and ask for you to speak to us individually and then help us to realize that not a single one of us has the whole picture of God. But when we come together as a body of believers, that's when we get the full picture. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to take the word of God and to put it deep inside of us. And God, that we would make decisions and we would, uh, that we would seek you and ask for your direction through your word, but we would also understand that your Holy Spirit is there to help us to d- understand and to understand what you're speaking to us. And so Lord, I know that as I give this message, there are certain things you're pinpointing in each one of our hearts and our lives. And so Lord, I pray that as a group of people, we would begin to be just um, children 
that we would be your children, then we would make the decision, hey, Lord, if you want me to make that set apart, I will set it apart for you. God, continue the process of making me holy. I understand that because of what Jesus did, I am. But that word in itself means I'm in a process. And so help me, help me grow in this process. Help me, help me separate the things that you want me to make holy in my life away from the common. And God, as you do that, Lord, I pray that you would begin to release your power in your people and in your church. And then, God, you would begin to use us to impact this world. Because the truth is we are not going to impact this world until you turn the power on, Lord. God, we need the signs. We need the power. We need the things that your word speaks to as a witness to how good you are. And Lord, I repent and I apologize for any area in my life that I'm holding back, that I'm not giving to you as holy. God, speak those things to me. Help me be very aware of those things so that I can give them to you. Because God, I want your power in my life. And I pray that that would be the prayer for every single person listening to me. Lord, we thank you in your name. Amen.